COVID vaccinations for no longer neutral. Black Lives Matter, whether it's a hash. Can't take it no longer. It's minority children that are suffering the most. Begin to have real conversations. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral. Thank you for tuning in to No Longer Neutral. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and rate our show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dr. Ayana. And I'm Dr. Sharice Roper. And this is Dr. Michael Haygood. Y'all know what? What? I can't take it no longer. I am sick of COVID. Are y'all sick of COVID? Absolutely. Yes. Wow. What's going on with y'all in COVID right now? What's going on? I don't listen to the news. I've turned off the news. I cannot... The fear, the stress, the anxiety of it all just sends me just over the just over the top. I just can't do it any longer. Not doing it. Now, I will say, though, I don't listen all the time. However, my entire family did come down with COVID. Yikes. And I have a grandson, and I felt bad because I think he took it home to his family, his, <laughs> my son and, oh, and no. daughter-in-law. So I will say that we have to make sure that we are doing whatever it means to us to do to stay safe. Um, we still get out. We're done now, and I get out, but I do double mask mm -hmm. and all of those kinds of things. I'm not paying close attention, but I'm just, you know, making sure that we are doing what we would do even if it was flu season. Yeah, yeah. You know, so just taking care of yourself and making sure that you do what you need to do for yourself and for others. What about you? I have a thought, though. Okay, go ahead. So when you, when you mentioned that you think the baby took it home to his parents, so what, what does that look like for school settings where stu children that are underage who are not getting vaccinated that are attending, like, child care programs, right, right. Mm -hmm. you know, early um, learning centers. What, is it, what, would that, what does that look like? I would say, and, you know, this is no longer neutral, so I'm going to take a stand. Yeah, okay. go ahead. <laughs> I can't take it no longer. <laughs> so I think that we did well because we were all vaccinated. Uh -huh. I think if you are working in settings where children are coming, you know, back and forth, especially your younger ones, um, I would say that you want to be vaccinated. Many people take the flu shot. Many people get all these immunizations that you take to be, you know, to get into the workplace, to get into schools and all of that. The, maybe you don't want to booster up, but you at least want to have that first level mm -hmm. of protection. Mm -hmm. That's where I would stand. And I'm standing there, too. I'm standing right along with you guys. I, I'm just shocked at how many um, people really, um, you know, just have a serious um, problem with the whole vaccination process. And I understand the whole freedom of choice. I certainly am somebody, you know, in my life who really has believed in freedom of choice for just about everything that I stand for. However, just that whole sort of coming to a common cause with everybody, everyone else in the, on the planet. This is about humanity. This is not just necessarily about you and your house and you and your people and you and your family. Um, you know, I stretch my, my arms out wide because of this whole, this whole situation with COVID. And I'm trying to be really inclusive and supportive of everybody on the planet, which means I need to make sure I'm taking care of not just my family, but everybody. Right, you know, everybody. Right. You know, and I think one of the questions I have for both of you today is, you know, what does that look like, not just for school, not just for your family, but for you? You know, how are you feeling? Because, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed daily, 
daily. And I know so many of my friends are talking about just being overwhelmed, you know, with the emotions mm-hmm. of everything going on, being depressed mm-hmm. and all the things that are going on with mental health, you know? Absolutely. I feel the same. I way. would encourage everyone to, t- to decide what it is that gives you that sense of peace or that calmness. Yes. Yesterday I took a walk a to massage. the beach. I went to that beach, and when I tell you, I just looked at that water, uh. and I just said to myself, you know, I can get through all these things that are going on. It is a lot. I'd be lying to say that, you know, there aren't times that I have felt maybe a little bit of, you know, depression or kind of sure. feeling a certain mm-hmm. way because, you know, this has been going on for a long time now, right? Ooh. I'm tired of wearing these masks. <laughs> I just, I'm going to wear them, but I'm sick of it, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, you have to do something. I do try to go for walks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ayana, I know you've got some things that you do, so why don't you share that too? So I have many rituals. Like yesterday, because I had so much high-level drama going on in my life, I decided to just do some series of yoga like, I love to do yoga. Um, I do a lot of meditation. I take bath. And then, you know, in the world of cannabis, I do make a, a wonderful Come on, tea, Blunts. Come on, Blunts. Tea. Yeah. <laughs> I make an iced tea, um, you know, with ashwagandha and, you know, with a cannabis tea. That's very relaxing for me to help me with my insomnia and anxiety. And, you know, really I kind of limit conversations of negativity. I'm watching my circle, my Mm. village. And, you know, that's why I'm so grateful that we have this platform, you know, that we can share and maybe help some other people. And one thing that really bothers me most, and it's very upsetting, I was thinking about it last night, is in a culture of all this high stress, high demand, a lot of death around all of us. We know somebody yes. that's passed yes. on, whether it was COVID or, you know, whatever, to work in environments during this time when we're trying to figure out this pandemic where people are really not supportive. Very true. And just hateful yeah. and just meanness. And yeah. this is such a time where we need to just embrace one another with love and support. So Absolutely. that's how I feel. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, because um, I've had to work on this, Sometimes I have to also say to myself, those people who are behaving in a way that isn't so kind in my eyes, Mm -hmm. that maybe they're going through something more than what I really understand. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what might I be able to do to maybe help them with, you know, at least looking at uh, one of those apps where it's calm or, you know, something like that. Um, Because there are some toxic work environments and... Sometimes it is important for us in whatever way we can to help others to understand what we're feeling, mm-hmm. what we're going through mm-hmm. based on, you know, what's happening in that environment. It may be a tough conversation. Absolutely. But sometimes those courageous conversations are necessary. Yeah, See, you know, and I'm a realist. Or. I'm more of the, <laughs> the sort of realist that leans into positivity. And I certainly see what's going on with, with just how COVID has invaded, you know, quite honestly, all of our lives. And it feels like now with COVID, I'm, I'm sort of coming to a point now where emotionally um, I feel more sustained in looking at the positive. Just as you were just mentioning, um, Dr. Roper, you were just mentioning, you know, staying positive, making sure that we understand that maybe someone else is having a tougher time than we are. Mm-hmm. That's very important because that too often can be forgotten as you're going through your misery and you're going through your strife and your challenges and so forth. But I think that, you know, one of the other things that I really like to make sure that I do um, is is exactly that, is try to make sure 
that I'm standing firm and being kind and, and also challenging others, but not challenging in a, others in a way that's demeaning. Absolutely. You know. It doesn't excuse poor behavior yeah, yeah. and bad judgment and bullying and harassment. And I mean, oh, I just love the, you guys take such the high road, the high Michelle Obama go up. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, give me 50 feet. <laughs> I can't. Like, you know, I just can't. I can't with that. I really don't. And I feel like this, you know, um, I do believe in karma. I believe in the universal law of, you know, cause and effect. I yes. believe in that. Yes. But it's still not okay to just keep rubbing a person hot. Like, don't rub, just don't keep running me hot, you yeah, know? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So, it, you know. I, well, how I, you I, get them off you? I, I'm, I'm, I believe in being direct also, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me some time to understand how not to take things personally, which you guys are sharing. Like, look at it as though they're having their own issues also. So that's taking it off of me. And, you know, I love the, the, the book, The Four Agreements, so I try my best not to take it um, personally, but I do believe in you know, hitting it all dead on, addressing the issues, being very direct, and setting out some clear boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I think as best as you can, you know, um, and you guys all know me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, being able to, if, if it's in that workplace, you know, what can you do that may be in writing mm-hmm. so that people don't forget about how it has affected you? Um, because sometimes we just say things and then it comes back up, it rises back up. So, you know, that's just a little tip that I, if you can, as best as possible, to make sure that that happens as well. Yeah, you're reminding me of, you know, I teach um, (laughs) night school with, you know, the university. Uh, And my adult students, who are all, you know, wonderful teachers themselves and are moving into administration, I remember one of the students saying the other night, you know, just how challenged she was with trying to keep a workload of going to work and then also going to school. We have such dedicated people in education. We have such dedicated people who want to, you know, change the world through each child, you know, and, and most people come into education, I believe, um, similar to that I do. I don't really challenge other people's thoughts or emotions or intentions for coming into education. But one thing that I do know is that the heart of educators is typically pure and typically wants the best for their students. And what I'm noticing with this one student who brought it up the other night, she was saying she just felt like she couldn't handle it all. She felt like the lack of appreciation from parents um, that she was receiving, from faculty, from um, even her family, just not understanding how much she is putting forth during this trying time. I don't think the majority of the world even knows what's going on at schools, which is, you know, right now could be even seen as sometimes disaster areas. We have turned, you know, basically students are coming and going with, you know, positivity rates and so forth. Um, so it's just really people are holding on. And so the one thing that I know to be true is that I know this is challenging each of us. And I yeah. know that it's stretching our skills. It's stretching our emotions. It's tra- stretching our culpability skills. And I think most of all, I try to, whenever I'm teaching or whenever I'm talking to you guys, I try to always look at the positive side. That sounds so rainbowy. I know it does. <laughs> but I just, all it works for me. Mm-hmm. It works for me to try to look at how this is, you know, benefiting me and also mm-hmm. benefiting the person that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a stretch, but it's keeping me sane. So that's why I need it, you know? Sure, sure. And I think you will see that in probably all professions yeah you know everybody is stretched and so that idea of keeping it pure well i can't take it no longer let's move on i can't take no longer you know the next subject i can't take 
The insurrection. This oh. January 6th thing oh. has been all over the news since January Listen. 6th. Are we going to talk about that We have real? to. We got to. We got to. We got to. Yes. Let's go ahead and just toss that but what? But you know what's fu- Well, this is the funny part of it. What I like is that they actually had the gumption. They were just bold enough, <laughs> organized bold. enough to mm-hmm. just clean, smooth, walk into the, to the White House. I Let's mean, talk to, about that right I there. Mean, Let's talk about that right there, though. Go ahead. Why do you think what, mm-hmm. what makes someone have enough boldness and confidence mm-hmm. to overthrow the country, which is exactly and, what they wanted right. to do. Entitlement. And, Entitlement. you know, honestly, you, off, well, I'll say oftentimes, you know, I, like looking at the positive side of everything, when you are an elected official, and I love, you know, people who take the, the chance to want to run and sure. get in positions to help serve. But when you get some type of um, rem- a reminder that we do serve the people. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. that's basically, I feel like that was the whole gist of some of it, mm-hmm. is that, hey, we are the government. Mm-hmm. We are, you've forgotten about we us. We are, um, yeah. You've forgotten about us. Yes. That population of people feel like, hey, we're being left behind. We're mm-hmm. being forgotten about. Now, we know the truth in the matter of this, but, you know, just for them to, that we watched and saw some organization to actually overthrow or try to attempt to make a stand in, in their way, yeah. you know, I did get the aha moment that, you know, the we are the people. We the people of the United States. I'll take it a first step further than that. You know, this mm-hmm. is no longer neutral, so we can say it how we Go feel. Go say right? it. I think that the stance was even bigger than that. It was mm-hmm. much more of an egregious, bold statement that they were making, saying that we are America. We are America. It's our country. We the people. This is America. <laughs> we are the people. We, we are coming <laughs> we, for we our country. We are the people, yeah. And I met, you know, someone, and I'm, you know, um, being biracial and actually having a mom who's white and then knowing her people and my side of the family that I really have never really known. You know, what I have known from her teachings and her talking to me about her childhood and is that, you know, unfortunately, I think that a lot of white people are taught this is their country. And mm-hmm. I think I'm talking about back in the days when they were being raised and it maybe not as explicit as that statement, but they get the understanding and the sort of lineage, the generational lineage that comes across or comes along with living after grandfather and grandfather and grandfather. I think too often most of us, and I know certainly the side of me that comes from my, um, my blackness, which is really most of who I am has always tried to look at where I come from and who my people are and so forth and also understand that when I look at that, it feels like I get more of an education. But when I look at the other side, that was missing for me. And so I know that other white people, you know, beyond real people that are just white, you know, typically they have, I think, passed down conversation around America and, and how this is their country. Oh, yeah. Every patriotic song that they sing in elementary school. Oh, my God. Right, right, right. <laughs> Come yeah. on. And Text the books. others of us are just, we believe that it's our country, but we have been um, kept back from really experiencing that. All of those um, oppressive kinds of things that go on, um, you just mentioned the songs that we sang in mm-hmm. elementary school. Well, there weren't many other songs that, you know, recognized other peoples of color. Um, and so I think when I, and maybe this is why I said, you know, are we going to really talk about that? <laughs> when I think about the insurrection, I think about if that was a group of others, because the majority of those folks that I saw were um, white, mm-hmm. 
if it was a group of black and Hispanic and Asian all together. It would have been five minutes. We would not have even gotten it. Right. Five minutes. Right? No, and they would have noticed all the cars on the freeway coming from the south or wherever they come from, Dakota, <laughs> wherever they were. <laughs> they would have saw the caravan <laughs> on the 110. All cars coming, you know. Yeah, there would have been a roadblock And all them Hootenanny right, Confederate right. flags. Shoot, and let's get to the, you have to let people know when you're going to have some form sure, of sure. a protest or something. Instagram, so, text message, So something. we knew Mm-hmm. that they were coming, mm-hmm. and yet there were no people in place to handle the numbers of folks. Right. I mean, let's think about all of the pieces of that. Well, I mm-hmm. think that that's exactly why there's actually a, a court case now. I mean, yes. I think that's mm-hmm. really to determine what, you know, was actually planned for that day, and was there an attempt Some inside before man. that day of planning around going to the actual why I, you know, and actually storming in the building. I think that is what's actually up in the case because as it stands, there's a denial from most of the Republicans who had a hand in this, and that was that they weren't a part of it, that they were just showing up for a rally and that the rally was going to stay and Trump was going to speak and then everybody was going to go home. That wasn't the intent of what they're finding out, and mm-hmm. so that's coming to light now. Mm-hmm. How well, do they you think us that will really it. end? Oh, come you know, my hope, you know, and I'm always hopeful. Once again, there, there's hopeful. <laughs> here hey, we good. go. Uh, he said, here we go. Um, you know, my, I, I don't ever want to get too disparate about things, because if I do, then, you know, uh, I'll be the first in the, in, in the line for the revolution. You know what I mean? But at the same time, my hope is that, you know, this is taken seriously. I don't like the fact that and I don't like to play politics because I'm nor a Democrat or a Republican. I'm more of an independent. But when I look at the way politics is being played, it seems like there never is any kind of repercussion or consequence. And so there needs to be one. If they don't have a consequence for this, then I don't know when we'll ever have one. I'll say that. But didn't they show us how to make a protest? Like when we march, you know, no disrespect to those who march, who do peaceful protests, but didn't they show us how to do it? They did. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) They did. And remember, theirs was a rally. Theirs wasn't a protest. Right, but wasn't it, uh, wasn't it, (laughs) wasn't it Cedric that said, Cedric the entertainer that talked about they don't even know how to protest. They take their picket signs and they just storm the street. Man, that's hilarious. Hands up to hands up. I should say uh, hands up to to Cedric. Uh, Shout out for you, Cedric the Entertainer. I really like that when I saw your show. Let's look at the next topic coming up on Abbott Elementary. We've talked enough about that insurrection and the COVID. Let's deal with something positive right now. Abbott Elementary. Have you guys seen that? I have been watching it. That I is not only the, the cutest and most wonderful show I've seen in recent years. It makes me so mad because a lot of people always say, oh, Ayana, you need to uh, do a movie or a sitcom on the stories I uh, share about working in preschool settings. What do you think about the principal? what do you think about the principal (laughs) Uh, she's not a character that i've come across really to be honest i I, i've met uh not a principal Uh. um i think that the fact that they actually characterize the principal as you know someone that's you know sexy and hot and flirtatious and you know, I think that's pretty cool. I think it shows our humanistic values, our humanistic character characteristics um, for educators. And we don't often get a chance to really just show who we are. Just like, mo- you know, most of the other people in their fields. You know, I think it's wonderful that people see their teachers and their principals and their aides and their counselors as people that go home, take their clothes off, sit in front of the TV and have a beer. 
you know, or, or go out to the club or go to movies and have kids and go on dates. And, you know, a lot of times our children and particularly our students don't necessarily see us that way. And so I think it's a refreshing thing that Abbott Elementary is even on on on. A, on TV. But what about how she comes off disconnected? Like when she spent the money on a a sign instead of what the teachers really needed. Right. I do hear stories like that about principals. that stuff happens at school. I do. Sure. And sometimes it comes from, you know, we don't know um, how new she is and those kinds of things. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. Um, But I appreciate the main character and how she's really working to try and make sure that the principal is more knowledgeable. Mm. Um, the main character, I love how her goal, it just reminds me of when I started I was getting ready education. to say the main character just remind me of kind of you. You know, that whole idea that I am here Except to her. really provide all these students with everything that they need. Right. Equity, access, raises opportunity. In the, right. You got raises and oranges in your, in your dresser. Right, <laughs> right, but right. why does she have a boyfriend that's driving her car every day? See that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you I know that's a whole other conversation <laughs> about why we do what we do. But it shows but professional that's what makes women. That show yeah. so good. Yeah, it does. That's what makes that show so good. The wit that is involved in that show is hilarious. <laughs> yes, and the yes. writing is spectacular. Yes. Spectacular. How about we have Abbott Elementary on our podcast one day? Oh, that'd be fun. Y'all listening out there? (laughs) But you know, at each school, I've worked at many. There are characters that remind me of a person at each school that I've ever worked. I mean, seriously. It is so dead. I like the teacher, the Shirley Ralph character. She reminds me of so many old school style teachers. Veterans. You know, those veterans that mm-hmm. basically, you know, hold on to. And the last episode actually dealt with her more uh, succinctly because they actually talked about how she didn't want to move into new tech. They actually had a new program. I think they were doing grading or something. And obviously we know that evaluation and reflection really comes from evaluation and test scores. And so looking at that, she looked at her test scores and she wasn't able to digitally do any kind of data that would really inform her teaching. And so this other teacher that was next to her had that sort of skill. And so she was seeing a deficit. And I think that sometimes... You know, that's sort of the unknown. We don't want to learn the unknown. Something that's new, change, that's in any career. And we she sort of needed now this new form of teaching because when I first started teaching in elementary school, I would cry every day. I did not have it together. Really? I didn't have it together yet. Mm. I didn't have great classroom management skills. You know, I just couldn't get it just yet. And there were veteran teachers who were close to me, next door to me, who wouldn't share. They would judge me. They would look at me yeah. and probably talk about me, but they wouldn't really tell me how to get the um, management together. Which, they what got share. you past crying? Because I felt like a failure. I felt like I couldn't do it. Like, I'm not doing a great job. Right, so what moved you into? What moved me past? Yes. You know what actually helped my grandmother? Because I do come from a, um, a, a, a family of teachers. Okay. My grandmother came to observe my class. My grandmother came to observe my classroom. Wow. Wow. And, sh- and actually told me where I was uh, missing, the, missing the ball. Too long with transitions, not planning in in advance for students who are finished with their assignments, you know, early. Um, She just gave me a whole lot of tweaked my lesson plans and showed me um, different incentives and strategies and rewards that I needed to have in place to keep children busy, like extra books to the side where they know they can go and pick up books when they're done. So she just helped me out. And Abbott Elementary shows that kind of thing, Ayana. They do. They show... 
all of the wonderful things that happen, those kind of nuanced things mm-hmm. that come with teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we're three doctors, you know, and we're all three educators. And I think that's the commonalities that we share. But I think what's actually fabulous about that is we have a beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a beginning in our careers. And, you know, hearing your beginning, you know, is very similar to my beginning. I fell in love with teaching because of another teacher, mm-hmm. you know, when right. I was a student. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I came into this profession. Miss mm-hmm. Breen was my world. How about you? I will say that um, I didn't initially come into education thinking that I was going to be staying long. Uh, my either. background <laughs> was I had, I've got my BA in radio television field ah. and worked in the industry for a little bit. And then you was an actress. No, I was behind the scenes. Production okay. was okay. The, the place that I was really hoping kind of what to, you're doing now with yeah, us. Kind of making a connection here. <laughs> And um, in between, on a, you know, you have hiatus where you've got some time off. And someone said to me, why don't you just do some substitute teaching? Did that for a minute. Really enjoyed it. Felt like I needed to complete it um, in terms of getting my teaching credentials so that I could have that as a backup. And then just never got back to mm-hmm. um, that whole other world. But one of the things that, as a new teacher, um, I was given or I learned from the time that I spent with my sister um, about equity, about really finding the way to reach kids. My sister was intellectually challenged. Mm -hmm. And back in the day when I was growing up, we didn't have all the programs then that you would have for students with disabilities. And so I found myself being her teacher. Mm. um, And didn't make that connection into the work until a little bit later, but it has been the catalyst for the work that I do around equity. Mm-hmm. And you're going to always hear me talk about ensuring that we are reaching um, those folks who are underserved, yes. um, underrepresented yes. in any place. And it's not even just educationally. I see it in so many other you know, sectors, so many other professions. Um, places of where people work, and it's important that we come to understand one another and that we work um, to really look at our cultural differences. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I love about Abbott Elementary, yeah. that I feel like the, the teachers, the veteran and the new teachers have a space where they're trying to kind of come together. In the lounge. In the lounge. There it is, <laughs> yeah. right? right? The teacher lounge. Yes, yes, yes. And even with this, um, what I liked, the episode that you're talking about, uh-huh. what I really liked, and I can't remember the main character's name. I'm going to have to. Oh, the teacher. I, oh, yikes. But she started, that episode started with her on the board using home language mm-hmm. And helping mm-hmm. the students connect that to the academic mm-hmm. language pieces. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which Shirley was years Brown, ago, that whole Ebonics debate. Ebonics, right. oh, yeah, right. yeah. That right. came from They were Oakland. so mad yeah, about that. it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. They didn't get it. I saw it. that same episode. They didn't Go get ahead. it. They yeah, didn't yeah. get it. They, right. And in this episode, the veteran teacher doesn't get it either, right? She's mm-hmm. like, what is all mm-hmm. that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, this is what they say, and we're making those connections. And just a real um, opportunity in this episode for everybody to learn from one another. Um, the assessment piece, that tech stuff, uh, the language pieces, just really, really great information. I am loving Me too. Abbott Elementary. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
so I have a problem. This is a, this literally okay, Michael, because you're sports all day. <laughs> but this is my day. this is my thing. So since 1983, help me out with this. I've been a serious 49er fan. Really, my sister in law is. I love, li- literally, love Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice. You know, loves Joe Montana, her some 49ers. You know, I just love the 49ers. But the issue with Kaepernick made me feel conflicted with my team. Like I felt like a breakup. I felt like it was a bad boyfriend at the time. Like I got you. so, I've been kind of like separated from the 49ers because for of a how while. they did him. Yes, yeah. you yeah. know what I mean. And the NFL. So for a while, I didn't watch did football. Yeah. How they did us. So I didn't watch football for a while. So now, so this is where I, you know people who are loyal because I am a loyal Trojan. You Bruins, I got it. <laughs> so this has helped me out with this being a sports fan. So now that we have a home team, got you. You know, it, should this be an opportunity for me to embrace? Yes, now it a should. Home team Absolutely. And go ahead and let my 49ers go. Okay. Yes. All right. Bye bye, 49ers. Bye bye. Bye bye, Niners. It's time to hop on that Ram bandwagon. That blue and that yellow is powerful. It's looking good. But you know, I love anything California. Yeah. I born and raised in yeah, California. You're right. So if the Rams don't make it, we hope that we, they do. We'll go for the 49ers. I'm going to go for the 49ers because okay. that's still True my to California. Cali, you know, team. True I'm to, with you. I think we Cali, all going to okay. have to be together on that, on that yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, but I've been grieving this. And, and we're our colors and, and, and roof our California team. Absolutely. Who else is in it? Is Cincinnati on the other side? Cincinnati, Cincinnati and KC. And KC. Yeah. Wow, with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. So yeah, well, people KC really think favorite. that Cincinnati is not going to do well at all. I'm kind of rooting for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's never been there for a while. It's been a long time. Right. I'm talking 30, 40 years, I think, that the last time I saw a stat. Yeah, that they're actually coming up. We're going to be having some folks call in to us in some other episodes. So make sure you're tuning in to get those numbers so you'll be a, uh, have a chance to participate in our show. And lastly, uh, Dr. Davis is going to talk to you about where you can subscribe. Hey, just check us out wherever you listen to your podcast. No, no longer, longer neutral. neutral.